decided to record this podcast for a few reasons. The first is that I'm working on uh, a draft of a novel, and I'm also editing my first audiobook collection. Both of those are uh, things that I'm using to help me because I'm the editor for the writing team on an upcoming digital strategy card game called Planet Rise. It's the first game of its kind to offer a complete storyline with a main campaign, developed characters, and multiple internal plot lines built on a solid story. Something that will eventually become like a novel and hopefully have many iterations that are what they now term spin-offs, offshoots, sequels, and stories within the story. Each process, my own works and working with the writing team on the game, allows me to view the approaches I am taking and the results I am experiencing with a critical eye. The better I can understand my process, the more complete I can refine editing my work and the work of others. I'm also talking about editing because it's hard. The goal is to make the work better. But that means painful choices that can create more questions and problems than originally it seems like you're going to solve. It can show you gaps where you need more work, which is always frustrating. And it can also show you periods where you're being redundant. And cutting those sections can feel like you've lost something that was holding the story in place, which means you have to rethink how that part of the story was holding together, whether it's still valid now, and if so, what you can do to make it strong again. All of these things require patience and time. And it's that investment of time that is always the biggest challenge with editing. So much work can be put in just getting the right sentence or phrase to sound the way you need it to. That when you're done, it's like you're looking up this hill of all these other places you need to fix and are wondering how you can do it. I have a story on Amazon called This is a Language of Fists. It started about 16 years ago with a scene um, in a writing class that I was taking. The scene featured a cold wind moving through a boxing arena in a small setting. And there were fighters and the people there watching them. Later I added a scene about running on a beach and one of the fighters thinking about what they were doing, either uh, leading up to a fight or just in one of the periods um, between fighting. I eventually took that scene and wrote 25 to 30 pages about that character and other characters and the scene itself over the next 10 to 12 drafts. Then I whittled down those 25 to 30 pages to about 15 pages, 15 to 18 pages. 10 drafts later, I was back to my length of 22 to 24 pages. And sometime after I made my 25th round of edits, 
I began to slowly pare back the story until it was closer to 21 pages, and then finally to the 20 pages that I have now published. I don't remember when I even crossed the 30th draft of editing threshold, because by then it didn't matter. What mattered was that each round of edits brought me closer, and that became my single goal, getting closer, doing it again, looking for opportunities, for moments that I might have missed, and finding ways to make them the way I really wanted, and not just the way that they had ended up so far. Keeping this in mind, what seems like an extremely long-term and difficult challenge can be uh, a steady daily practice. And it's something that, with practice and work, can be accomplished faster than anyone imagines is possible. There's a writing story that I think moves well with editing, and it's a great one that I read about by an author named Anne Lamont. And she's got a great book on writing called Bird by Bird, and in it she opens the book with the story of her brother, who, uh, with his family, enjoyed a weekend at a cabin, running, playing, laughing, knowing that on Monday school was coming and so was his report on birds. And Anne Lamont's little brother is sitting there at the table with his book open and a blank sheet of paper at 7.30 at night, and he's got nothing. And he's lost, and he's looking frustrated, and he's flipping through the book. And Anne's father walks over and asks him, Tell, tell Dad which bird they like the most and know the most about. And that happens to be the bluebird. And the young boy starts telling everything he knows about the bluebird. And by the time he's done, his father looks down and says, Good, now write that all down. And then move on to the next bird. And that's how you're going to write this paper, bird by bird by bird. It's a lesson and an example that is a theme and a thread that run through the book, Bird by Bird by Anne Lamott. But for me, it's also a great parallel to editing. Because each time that I'm going into editing, and I'm changing something or looking for the ways to change it. I'm only doing that one thing and then finishing it and moving on to the next. And if I keep in mind that simple mantra of bird by bird, of edit by edit, then I know that something that seems like it's overwhelming in its size and scope is actually just one more thing that I'm doing to get closer to my goal, closer to that 
last draft. I'm hoping that the examples that I talk about in this podcast provide ways that this idea can be reinforced and that other examples of editing can be demonstrated and the possibility and the topic raised so that when we approach editing, it's not something for which there's only one way to do it. But like writing, like storytelling, it's something that is best done through the strengths that we already bring and through the weaknesses that we continue to develop as we apply ourselves to the practice again and again. take a quick break to pay some bills with this word from our sponsor. Writing and editing are very similar. According to Arthur Plotnick, you write to communicate to the hearts and minds of others what's burning inside you. And you edit to let the fire show through the smoke. When you're trying to write, and when you are writing, you're crafting the ideas as they come, even when you're using outline or structure. There's still the moments of inspiration and excitement, and those moments can't be planned for. But it's the editing where writers have an opportunity to shape the story. And as Plotnik says, to let the fire show through the smoke. It's a great image when you think about starting a fire and how the initial effect can be hard to see at first. But the best signal is the smoke as the fire begins to brew in the bits of kindling and starter that are underneath the larger pieces of wood that you're hoping to burn. Once that smoke has cleared because the fire is now burning so cleanly that it's only producing the flames as the oxygen is sucked in and the wood is burned, that's when a fire is really enjoyed. That's when the light and the shadows it casts and the heat, and in many ways, the nostalgia, the ability to trace all of the moments that you were entertained by a fire, whether outside or in front of a fireplace. And it's that timeline that the fire connects each time we enjoy it. The same can be said for great stories. They are something that are entertaining, and the more they can clearly engage us with their best representations, the more that we can enjoy them as part of a timeline in the stories 
that have been a part of why we continue to read, write, listen to, and view stories. that were coming together began to crowd my storytelling and I realized that I needed to find a way to set myself up so that the story would allow me to come back in but that when I came back in it would be with direction and purpose and so I employed a tried and true method of writing my ending and then walking away so that when I came back to finish that draft I could see the pieces that needed to be filled in and the threads that needed to be connected to that ending in order for the framework of it to be maintained and so that my first draft would have these many through lines and an ending that I could then begin working with as I edited It was helpful because that period of breathing allowed for the smoke to clear, for any confusion I might have been having in the moment. And by stepping back and allowing the flames to burn and knowing that I had already set up this fire so that it would reach the ending, which was to be, in my mind, roaring and burning with all the excitement that it had begun with. And that the stepping back and the letting it breathe meant that the smoke could clear. And as it began to burn in my mind with what I had already developed and what I had built on top and was reaching towards, the pieces became clearer. The missing threads became easier to see. And I could identify all of the trees in my forest that I had not described the way I wanted to in order for the story to be complete. And that now that they were identified, I could go back in and work on them with a purpose, knowing that by doing so with each one of these, I was getting closer to my ending and that I was creating this story that would burn, a fire that would entertain, and something that I believed would really create uh, a value to the storytelling, that if I hadn't stepped back to allow it to happen, that value might have been something that I rushed past in an effort to simply get to something that I thought was completion. And because I did, I was able to enjoy that, that period of waiting and the anticipation and the sense of 
definitely relief, but also comfort when the smoke began to clear and I could see the flames, well, brighter than they had been earlier. And that bright was a guiding light. And now we're going to take a quick break to pay some bills with this word from our sponsor. There's a really great quote from Darkjar Tinzu, Love Quotes for the Ages, specifically ages 19 to 91. And it says, making love to me is amazing. Wait, I meant making love, comma, to me, comma, is amazing. The absence of two little commas nearly transformed me into a sex god. Note the pause. It only took saying it once for the speaker to realize where their mistake lied and to backtrack and fix it by applying two little commas. By doing so, not only is the meaning, but the intention changed. I think it's a great setup for this quote by Bernard uh, Malmood. He is a Pulitzer Prize winner in fiction and won the National Book Award uh, for fiction. I know him best as the author of The Natural, a book about baseball during its earliest times. And the quote says, I would write a book or a short story at least three times. Once to understand it, the second time to improve the prose, and a third to compel it to say what it still must say. Somewhere I put it this way. First drafts are for learning what one's fiction wants him to say. Revision works with that knowledge to enlarge and enhance an idea, to reform it. Revision is one of the exquisite pleasures of writing. Two different approaches to examining your work after it's been produced. One is the quick recovery, a verbal adjustment or correction, or even a written correction that immediately follows to show uh, just how quickly the desire is to fix where the mistake lies. The other approach is the longer form, and it goes back to that idea of the entertainment of the fire. Knowing what you're creating is part of the excitement when you're building a fire. The idea that staging the smaller pieces that light quickly and the larger pieces that can sustain the burn and then the final pieces which let the fire roar and fuel it toward its ending which is the crescendo and eventually the resolution which is the soothing warmth of the coals 
denying yourself that pleasure removes one of the aspects that Malamud points to here with the idea of revision, that working with that knowledge to enhance the idea, to reform it, because now you've understood through that first draft what that fiction wants you to say. It's a pleasure of writing. It's an opportunity. It's a gift because it requires time. And time seems to be one of those resources which we are always in short supply. But by dedicating time to this pursuit, we're actually taking pleasure and using it for something that gives us pleasure, which is the chance to take what we're writing and make sure that it's saying it the best way we want it to and the best way that we know we can make it sound. None of this means that editing is easy or that the parts that are easy guarantee that the rest of it when it does get easier will stay that way it only promises that there will be hard choices Stephen King uh, loves to make the statement kill your darlings kill your darlings even when it breaks your egocentric little scribbler's heart kill your darlings even if you're not egocentric when it comes to your darlings they're your darlings for a reason. They brought you to a certain place in your storytelling that has added the value to that story and that by removing them challenges the work that you've invested. But because your intention is to make this your best work, to follow the approach of writers like Malamud by understanding the story and then working to make that knowledge larger makes those decisions necessary and it can give you the incentive to push past uh, personal attachment or even emotional attachment to those darlings. Just because you're editing them from this piece of work does not mean that you're removing them from existence. And there is comfort in having a small notes file that allows you to look back on them with kindness and fondness and to know that they're always there if there's an opportunity to find a place for them even if it just ends up being in a piece about all of the favorite bits that you never got to use in that book that you were writing. Um, and I think knowing that by storing them in that document or folder and keeping them alive there, that you haven't really killed them. You've moved them to another place and potentially they can be reincarnated, recycled, or whatever uh, philosophy works best for you. But they can be 
repurposed into your writing. And you might never know when that will happen or if it will happen, but that their possibility will always be alive as long as you keep them in that document and give them a place where they can stay once they've been removed from something you've edited. And now we're going to take a quick break to pay some bills with this word from our sponsor. When it comes to any final thoughts about editing, that can often be first thoughts when starting the process, is to keep in mind why we do it. And the real purpose behind editing has to do with our reader. There is a very sweet quote from Dr. Seuss that says, so the writer who breeds more words than he needs is making a chore for the reader who reads. It starts simple with the idea of the writer simply creating too many words, more than is necessary. But it ends actually with an interesting warning because not only does it become a chore for the reader, but it becomes a chore for the reader who reads. A reader who reads is a reader who's paying attention and if they recognize that the writer is using more words than they need, that writer is actually making it harder for them. And that's going to challenge the reader as to the investment of their time into a work that in many ways isn't respecting their time or the investment they're taking and whether it's worth that kind of work and that can make the difference between the reader finishing what you've written or deciding that it's simply too much work to try and understand what you might be talking about but what you haven't made clear enough for them to see and understand with a reason that helps them as they continue reading. By asking the reader to invest their time, you're telling them that you're going to share something with them that they didn't know or that they can now understand in a way that they didn't consider before or many of the other revelations that can come from your writing that are beyond your initial intent. That can only happen when the writing has been edited to a point that all of those possibilities are clear enough to be seen. And when it comes to getting that writing in front of someone's eyes, making it difficult for the reader can prevent it from moving past an editor's desk. There's another great quote by J. Russell Lines that says, 
No author dislikes to be edited as much as he dislikes not to be published. If you're trying to get your work past the editor's desk, the amount of time you invest in editing before you send it off improves your chances that the best work, the best writing, and the idea that you have now begun to understand even more clearly has been presented more clearly because of the many attempts and approaches you've made to present it to your reader with as little effort as might be possible for them to understand, to engage, and more importantly, to continue reading all the way to the end. Thank you again for listening to Storytelling with Seth. Whether you're listening on Anchor, Radio Public, Breaker, iOS, Google Play, or one of the many other platforms available, I appreciate you taking the time to listen. And if you're one of those generous supporters, thank you. If you didn't know, you can support my podcast while you're listening to this recording feel free to take a look for the link that says to support me which should be a really simple little button and if you're having any trouble don't hesitate to reach out and let me know and I'll make sure that I'll do my best to help but your listening your continued support is what makes these podcasts possible and I couldn't do it without you so thank you again not only for listening but for your generous support and for all the different platforms that you listen to Storytelling with Seth. I look forward to sharing my next story with you soon.